Ladies and gentlemen, Tammy Abrahams and Adam Wilbrahams, welcome to Worldy. The boys are back in town for episode 28 of the Worldy Podcast, and with me, as always, is Mr. Andrew Roberts. Hello there. Right then, things have been happening. We had an international break, which left a hole for me, but many games for you. Yeah, too in- many to remember. Too I, many to remember. I've had Some to get you my don't, app. don't even care about. Yeah, I had to get my app out to remember were, what, what the scores were. <laughs> there was probably some trophy action in there and all kinds um, of nonsense. I, if there was, I don't know about it. Well, I think enough has happened that we know exactly what we're going to talk about today. There's there's plenty of shenanigans with both uh, the Royals and the U's that have been happening over the last couple of weeks. But we'll start with some news outside of the Thames Valley clubs. Uh, the uh, greatest mind in football yeah, has he's, reappeared. He's got himself a job, Sol he Campbell. Um, so Macclesfield Town sacked their manager a week or two ago. Unsurprising, uh, yeah, because they are they were statistically the worst uh, team in the football league mm-hmm. um, and root bottom of the football league as well. And they are yeah. So they have appointed Sol Campbell, which is a surprise. Well, it is because it I thought given surprise. his given the nonsense that's been going on around him and the various weird stuff that he's been doing. I was surprised that he would ever get a decent job. I mean, whether this is a decent job is up for debate, I suppose. Um, but he's managed to find himself in in a role in a in a you know, let's say top flight. Well, no, it's in, not top flight, but a, pro, a, a football league club, a, a professional football league yeah. club. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, and it's it's Macclesfield. They they've got a strong history, haven't they? So no, it is it's, it, and it might be just that we're all kind of um, judging him on his slightly weird social media content yeah um maybe, maybe that's it maybe actually maybe actually when it comes down to it he does know what he's going on about um and he's not completely off his tree you do wonder maybe <laughs> like you're trying to support the soul which is good <laughs> but there's some weird social media stuff going on to see patrice Everett eating a raw chicken yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't even eating it. He was kind of kissing it. And, he was sort of sucking licking. it. Yeah, it was very, something very weird. strange. Something weird with that dude. I love this game! <laughs> yeah. Is the game eating raw chicken? Yeah, I don't Is know Is the game that. getting salmonella? Yeah, yes. If so, bang on. Yeah, crack on, mate. <laughs> you carry on. Nobody else is bothered. No, is he so, at West Ham now, isn't he? I don't even know where he is. He's at West Ham now, isn't he? Because he, he was out of the game for... Doing something inappropriate or something. West Ham is always a graveyard for Drugs, kind of old, maybe, old or something. players. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, so Sol Campbell at Macclesfield, and I guess in a couple of weeks we will see what that means. Yes, yeah, so they 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 won their first game. He wasn't actually manager no. for this game, but they won was, their first game on Tuesday night. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. so because I mean, that was the day he was appointed. So, um, you know. You never know. Maybe, maybe his inspirational appearance has given the players a, a real big kind of boost. His fantastically bald head. He's got a lovely shiny head as Sol. He he has He's headed and, many footballs. That head, and it is one of the most intelligent heads in football. <laughs> Does that explain why he always used to do those really low headers? Yes, was that <laughs> he was really good at that? But you know, we we, we have a laugh about it. But I remember when he was when he was. Him and Ferdinand, centre-back sent, sent oh, for, for England, player. 2002 yeah, yeah, World yeah, Cup. Yeah. Holy cow, those guys are incredible. And yeah. that Argentina game. Yeah, very much absolutely so. Absolutely incredible. No doubt a fine player, but yeah. will he be a fine manager? Well, Let's time will see. tell. And do you know what? Really fucking hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, talking of fine players, uh, there was quite a game the other night at Villa Park. Uh, where Villa took on Nottingham Forest, and it ended five five That's with Tammy scoring, <laughs> scoring, getting a rivy, getting four goals in that match. Fucking ridiculous! Amazing! Um, it is. It's pretty cool. That is Tuesday night entertainment for you, my friend. I'm just trying to think what the the most goals I've ever seen in the in the football match is. I'm assuming this is a record for number of goals in a game. I don't know that for no, sure. No, no, no. They've um they've they've had like. 10 goal games for they were let me just read this stat out let okay. me see if i can find it on twitter because it's quite interesting um no i've lost it um hang on um but no so they, they, there have been i think somebody said since 2010 yeah which is a strange place to start and, it, and kind of makes me believe that's they're engineering the statistics by <laughs> yes. choosing an arbitrary date to start on there yes. have been been four five all draws okay since okay. 2010 
Um, hang on, let me see if I can find it now. Because I think, I mean, it, it, especially on a Tuesday night, I think it's especially awesome. Because you can imagine just going down there for a Tuesday night game. It's dark after work. You have to struggle to get there. And usually those games, uh, it's, it's nice going under the lights, I think, to watch a game. But then to go in and see 10 goals in 90 minutes. Here we go then. Um, excluding the playoffs, there have been four five-all draws in the Football League since 2010. Um, and remarkably, Nottingham Forest starting eleven featured a player who had been involved in each of the previous three what <laughs> that is amazing i don't actually know who that is though hang on i was going to check out that was danny baker on twitter putting that okay out. the highest scoring draw this is in all football league was uh leicester six arsenal six in 1930 i mean that is yeah that and uh <laughs> the most goals scored by a losing side i like this statistic just because of how brutal this would be huddersfield town Lost 7-6 to Charlton in 1957. 7-6. So you scored six away from home and lost the game. I remember once um, when I was playing like schoolboy football, basically, yeah. for Grove Challengers, local oh, village those team. Were the days. Um, uh, a local village uh, nearby called Berensfield had um, uh, they put a team in for the first time ever. Right. So they, you know, they they had no kind of like experience or anything like that, and they were whipping boys, and we beat them 17-0. And it was, it was a bit embarrassing by the end. And we were, we were, you know, we just carried on playing football. We got loads of grief from their friends who had come up oh, to really? watch calling us wankers. You fucking wankers. You couldn't help it. Well, no, we couldn't, <laughs> it couldn't help being fucking awesome. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we, we did it with, you know, with, with spirit and we were shaking our hands and being pleasant. And yeah. it was, still, you know, but anyway, yeah. So, yeah, five, five, five is pretty wow. good. You're getting your value, value for money there. Unless you're a student of the defensive game. If you're Alan Hansen. Alan Hansen and, oh. and, Jose Mourinho, because he fucking hates those games, oh, doesn't yeah. he? Which is why I like it when they happen. I know we don't talk about uh, we don't talk about the Champions League or Premier League or anything very much, but as you mentioned, our friend Mr. Mourinho, I did just want to mention that he has produced my favourite gifable moment of the season. His his celebration of pure anger by just picking up a box of water bottles and slamming them to the floor. So was that when they scored, was it? Yeah. Oh, see, I see, I thought that was when they'd conceded a goal earlier no. on. So, oh, and that, 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 that kind of puts a different perspective <laughs> yeah. on it. Because I, I saw that and I thought, oh, it's a shame they ultimately went on to win that game. But I see that's actually no, the victory dance. That was the victory dance. I mean, <laughs> he was so angry. That Fellaini had scored a very Sam Allardyce-esque uh, big man back-to-goal spin and shot goal. Uh, I think he wants to get fired. So he was a little bit annoyed that they're going to have to now go and play <laughs> yeah, some Champions League it. games. He's going to have to get a Shakhtar Donetsk or something. He's like, fucking hell. <laughs> so there you go. Right then, let's get back to the reality and back to the important stuff that's been going on in the Tenth Valley. Let's start with Oxford United. What is the latest? It's been an up-and-down uh, period of time for Oxford. Uh, yeah, it has. So since we were last on, um, we have so just sort of the last game on our last episode, we had just drawn nil nil um, in the uh, the FA Cup against Forest Green Rovers. Um, yeah. We we had another game between that, but we subsequently went on and won that game. The away the, the return leg um, at their place, three nil. Um, yeah. Bit of a drubbing for them, um, which was which was nice. Um, we also in the league we beat Gillingham by a goal to nil, um, solitary penalty. Do you know what? I can't actually remember a fucking thing about that game. Um, yeah, I, I'm sure it was fine. James um, Henry with the penalty. Yeah, I remember that much. Uh, Marcus Brown got upended for the penalty. He's playing definitely. well at the moment, Marcus he Brown. He is, yeah. We'll come on to him. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and... It was, yeah, definite penalty. I can't really remember much else about it, but it was it was a good win. Um, yeah. We then... Went away to Bradford on Saturday, just gone. So Bottom of the league, Bradford? Yeah, bottom of the league, Bradford. I think second or possibly third, and on terms of pure statistics, kind of second or third worst form in the football league with Macclesfield and possibly Ipswich um, in their way. So Bradford, fucking dog shit. Yes. Um, we were we were a little bit we were a little bit uh, unfortunate in that Bradford decided to do a thing where they were doing a um, tickets for a quid. So they did tickets for a quid for home and away fans, which meant it was an absolute sellout. In Bradford, okay. they've got a big ground. Um, and so it was a huge atmosphere, which was always going to benefit them. Um, so unfortunate time to play them. I, I didn't go, so I don't know if that's why they were right. better than us yeah. or whether we were just shit or whatever, I don't know. Um, but either way, they um, they beat us. 
um, which is very disappointing. A couple of goals, quick succession, which is a, yeah. bit, of a bit of a habit of ours, actually. It's is frustrating Conceding goals in uh, quick succession. Jack, um, Jack Payne was involved there, scoring goal. Now, that's a name that I re- recognise. Yeah, you, you will probably have seen him play for Oxford. He was number 10 for Oxford um, under Pep Clotet. Gotcha. Um, and he was coming back to haunt you. Yeah, he was. But yeah, they, former Oxford, former players always score against Oxford. <laughs> uh, Jack Payne was excellent, by the way. I mean, he was a really, really good player. He he basically um, either scored or set up every single one of our goals <laughs> under oh, Pep Clotaire really? when he was playing. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was a really good player. He was excellent. He then went off to Blackburn and um, Southend yeah. United, I think. Yeah. So um, yeah. So he yeah, great little player, Jack Payne. Um, but. Um, yeah, so that was that, and I'll be honest with you, I was a little bit kind of disillusioned with it, so I didn't bother listening. I went out to the pub with my friends instead of listening to the radio and stuff. I was a little bit. Meh. I think this is the problem where the, where where your team is is in a uh, position where they are so so up and down that, and you never get a run going. And after a while, there are certain games like this one that you think. In normal times, we target this game and take this game on and win it. But if you're not full of confidence, I well, think it can hurt really badly. One of the one of the biggest frustrations for us is that we've we so we've actually been on what is a, a pretty fucking solid run in in, in terms of yeah. be, not being beaten. I think it was nine unbeaten in all competitions. That includes the Checker Trade Trophy, which doesn't count, so it's eight. Yeah. Um, uh, and two of those games are against lower league opposition, so six unbeaten sure. um, in the league, which is you know which is a reasonable form. They were against very bad teams, right? So yes. I, this is not this is not me trying to wiggle out of it or anything like that. So, but but the we were drawing and winning against the worst teams in the league, so that's great. And we talked about this earlier in the season. That means yeah. we're not the worst, and it yeah, means that we shouldn't go enough. down. And do you know what? With the players we've got, of course we fucking shouldn't be because our players have, you know, we've got a lot, we've got a lot of very talented footballers. Yeah. There's no question of that. Um, so that was fine. I was a little frustrated we weren't picking up as many points as we could have been. But at the same time, you know, we were, I think we were eighth in the form table um, prior to the Bradford game. So, you know, no complaints really. We've done the thing, we're steadying the ship and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but so, you know, Bradford, I think. It's difficult to know whether or not that was, you know, just typical of our, you know, inconsistencies or whether it was actually just an anomaly because of the the massive yeah. crowd or whatever. Yeah. So Tuesday night was a big test for that, I think, because we had a game against Rochdale, who started okay, and they, but they've dropped off in the last three or four weeks of Rochdale, and they've dropped from sort of upper mid, well, no, sorry, kind of lower mid-table to um well so i mean kind of mid lower top half rather to kind of yeah only being like heading, four or five points. heading down so they were heading the wrong direction so we we were playing them at the right time it looked like a hell of a game um i mean yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't i mean rochdale weren't very good um but actually i will say a lot of that was because oxford were very good um and we played a really really uh Really positive, high tempo, high pressure, high press game against them. They ba- we basically didn't give them a single fucking second on the football, and it yeah. was really, really good to see. All led by Jamie Mackey up up front, um, who worked tirelessly. Plenty of like still going. Where does he? Where does he get it from? Classic kind of Jamie Mackey um, shit housery yeah. as well. At one point, he he prodded uh, a defender in the nutsack at a corner. <laughs> Just, um, what, just a little prod. Yeah, he just gave him a little poke. A little, it was really, so loads of that stuff. So he was he played really well. Um, constant fucking running um, and just getting in there in their faces and really upsetting the defenders and not giving them a chance. Um, Cameron Brannigan had a really good game in, in, in midfield oh, sorry. as well. Before we, before we yeah. go past Jamie Mackey, is he... Um is he cementing a place now up top? Oh yeah, no, he's our he's our main striker now. Don't, no question. All of that experimentation is over. Yeah, now, yeah, no, yeah. So I think we we played we we played the same starting lineup for three league games in a row now. Right. So so um, it's a bit more settled. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, so Jamie Mack. So the, the the only reason we hadn't done prior to that is because Jamie Mackey had a suspension and he had an injury. So that's so. the thing. Like Jamie Mackey had so much more than Sam Smith. Having having seen Sam Smith play for Reading. He he's for me. You if you want to pick a striker who's going to play on his own, Sam Smith is yeah. never going to be no. capable of doing no, no. that job. Whereas Jamie Mackey is going to be able to, like you say, shit house, 
cause trouble, hold the ball up, be a threat, even without the ball just causing defenders trouble all the time. Yeah, and, and, and that suits the game that we were playing on Tuesday night very much. And and actually, I hark back to the to the, 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 the back end of last season and, and the positive stuff I was saying about what I liked about the way Carl Robinson's team was, was playing in yeah. that... It, it wasn't necessarily hugely pretty, but it wasn't dog-ugly football. But it was really hard work and it was industrious. It was earning the right to win the football match, yes. okay? And Jamie Mackey embodies that entirely. And also, as you kind of alluded to, if you've got a man up front on his own, he kind of has to be doing that Absolutely. kind of work. Yeah. Um, so he's the right man in that in, in that formation. He's found his groove and he's working really well. He's just enjoying going out and roughhousing defenders, which is really good. And he's still got legs, I think. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He was, he was still, he was going all right. To, uh, a friend of mine said, um, maybe about fifteen to twenty minutes before the end, saying, "Oh, you know, Mackie's looking leggy." And then we said, "Yeah, but he's, yeah. he kind of always looks a bit leggy." Well, yeah. um, but then he, then uh, you know, after that, he then was putting a couple of massive sprints in. He was yeah. chasing down a defender halfway across the pitch. See, that stuff. is what so, you want to see. Yeah, yeah. That's what you want to see. And honestly, so he he was really really good. Um, and and by leading by example, like so much of the rest of the the squad were were, were doing that as well. Cameron Brannigan, um, who who I, and I, I'm sure I must have said this on an earlier podcast was bit at the start of the season was playing wildly out of position and in yeah, defensive yeah. field role and I wanted to see him pushed forward he's been pushed forward nice. lo and fucking behold he's playing really really well um he that's because Massinho is filling the deeper role it is yeah, yeah okay. but, but what we we had two players in that deeper role previously but they yeah. were the wrong two players but we did now we've got the right the right one well, Massinho in that role who's the right person to be doing it that's enabled other people to go forward and we bridge that gap between defense and midfield and and and, and and attack um in that but, in that midfield space where what's happened to baptiste he, oh, he's, he's, he's his shoulders exploded oh right so okay. he yeah so he had a um a really bad injury so he's um dislocated his shoulder um he's had to have surgery on it because his shoulder apparently just pops out all the time <laughs> so he's had to have surgery but they said that this surgery will stop it ever happening again so okay. no, he's not been involved in for about Four weeks now, I think okay. three or four weeks. Has that forced uh, Robinson's hand into this formation that started to work? Or no, no, no. <laughs> so, so he was playing this formation prior to Baptiste's okay. injury. So, okay. so this this was a decision yeah, by, yeah, by, okay, by 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 cool. Robinson, but. But it is also what everybody was saying at the start of the fucking season <laughs> that he should have been playing anyway. Yeah. So um, sometimes you think, like as a fan, and we talked about this, I think, a few weeks ago, where everyone can see what the problems are. Yeah. But for some reason, the club can't. And sometimes you think, oh, well, they know better than us. They're professional football people. But sometimes we're just right. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. Sometimes the fans just can see what's going on. The thing is, as well, as well, it, you know, as a manager and this is all football managers, if you have a way that you, you want the team to play because it's your style of football and you think that's the best way of doing it, then I can understand why a manager would want to try and kind of persist with with a style to, to, to crack it, to make yeah. it work, because that's that's the thing. And obviously the biggest criticism of Carl Robinson is that he's got no fucking idea of any other kind of football. Like, So he can't play a plan B because he has only ever played one way in his entire life. He, yeah. has, he has at least shown... Um, a willingness to change. I mean, he fucking had to because we were that bad. We really, really were that bad. But um, but you know, so credit to him for for for, for yeah changing yeah, yeah, and, and he's done that and and we found something that is working significantly better. Um, the but yeah, so so the hard work from from people like Cameron Brannigan was really in there. It was really good. Um, Interestingly, one thing that Carl Robinson's done that I'm still not particularly convinced about is that Jamie Hansen was a really fucking expensive player we brought in from, I want to say Derby. Um, he was brought in as a kind of a, a crunching kind of midfield general oh, yeah, kind gotcha. of thing. A defensive, like really hard, firm tackling kind of guy. And it hasn't worked for him in that role. And he's been chucked in at right back now. Um, so we've had a, Ruffles was playing. No, right? Ruffles left back. Oh, left so back, we've yeah. had we've had a couple of others. We had uh, Cameron Norman, <clears throat> who I actually thought that's done all right, did all right for us. Got forward really well for yeah. us, which fullbacks hadn't been doing up until that point. So he was getting forward really well for us down the, down the right. Maybe not, wasn't quite as good defensively. Um, 
he made one mistake where he played a couple of players on the light on side when he was on the far side of the pitch. Okay, yeah. But at the same time, our defenders on the near side of the pitch stopped and waved at the linesman. <laughs> Carl Robinson then hung Cameron Norman out to dry for that one mistake. He loves doing that. He doesn't does, he? despite the fact that these guys on the near side actually, I think, made a worse mistake. Yeah, but never, yeah. ne- nevertheless, he, he's out. Um, Sam Long came back. So he's, Sam Long's been at Oxford basically his whole life. Um, he's had a lot of injuries. He's not been able to chance to, to really get into it. He uh, he came in, I thought, doing all right. He was yep. doing perfectly well, doing well enough. Um, but anyway, he's dropped Jamie Hansen into into this right-back role because Hansen has played it, that role, elsewhere at Derby and in some other clubs. Um, and it's really funny because everybody's saying how great he's playing. Now, he's given us a, a degree of extra solidity, right? So he's yeah. a lot he's a lot more rock-solid in terms of making tackles. He makes those tackles. You know, he doesn't let people slip by him. But I, I saw just a couple of times on Tuesday night, some of his positioning is really shit. And, and I am a fullback, like, you know, by trade from, from when I was a, 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 a younger lad. And, and honestly, watching him getting dragged out of his positions and, like, players doing little kind of one-twos around, around him and stuff him, yeah. like him was really, was honestly, against better t- better sides, I genuinely think he's, he's he, he, could, he could be utterly shown up. The risk is as well that if, if teams see that, they'll target yeah. it. But, but at, at the same time, his headline stuff is kind of the big tackles and big solid tackles. So I think on the surface of it, I think he look he looks pretty handy. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's definitely weaknesses there. Mm. Um, but, it, but you know, it, it, it worked perfectly well on Tuesday night. So, okay. um, so I will talk about now Marcus Brown. So Marcus Brown had a um, a magnificent game. Now he two, is two goals. He is a magnificently talented footballer, and yeah. there's no doubt about that. And we've already seen plenty of that from him. Um, he so he's on loan from West Ham. Um, he's 20 years old, I think he is. Yeah. Um, he. Very, very talented, really good football footwork. He's you know, he's got some of the little skills to to show off as and when he needs to. Um, I think within within nine minutes, I think it was, of the game, I turned to one of my friends and said, Jesus Christ, their left back, their their right back's not having a good time <laughs> with Marcus Brown, is he? And sure enough, he he absolutely he absolutely fucking rinsed this guy. He was he was absolutely incredible. He was he was strong, he was pacey, he he had the 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 the, the, the footwork, he was constantly beating players. Yeah. His work rate was incredible. He was involved in fucking everything. And you know when you have this this moment is you're watching the see as he's going going past the defender there. Yeah, that is absolutely stuff. like yeah. see if, if everyone wants to classic highlights, wing play. It is yeah. the the second goal um he he was absolutely absolutely magnificent um and yeah and there's not really much more to say than that yeah. he's a really yeah. fucking talented footballer i'm really 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 glad we've got him on loan at our football club that's a one-year loan i guess this um, season i think so i assume yeah. so i hope i fucking hope it's not until january yeah. <laughs> but um yeah no i know i think it's a season-long loan with him but um yeah so no terrific stuff um i also want to say um about as as, as you're watching the highlights in wincing simon eastwood our goalkeeper he did so, not have a great one he, he didn't and so their two goals rochdale's two goals were in Entirely down to really, really poor and uncharacteristic mistakes. Yeah, he's from Simon been having Eastwood. such a good season. Well, I mean, well. he's a fucking incredible goalkeeper. Yeah. He is. Um, I, I'm not sure which team it is who think they've got a better. I think my Bristol Rovers reckon they've got a better goalkeeper because they've got a lad on loan from I want to say Liverpool. Okay. Um, but um, but but yeah, Simon Eastwood is the the best League One goalkeeper who's yeah, not on say, loan from a yes. Premier League team, right? <laughs> yes. He he is honestly he's fucking fucking brilliant. We are very very lucky to have him. He is we when we signed him on on a, a long term deal because his deal was expiring. We signed him on a long term deal. That was the, the the biggest and best signing that we've made in a really long time. Um, so. So let's well let's hope it's just an anomaly uh, rather and than. And it a... will have been. I mean, you know, he's a League One goalkeeper, so he does occasionally make mistakes. Because yeah, if sure. he didn't, he would be in the Championship or the Premier League. Don't right? worry, they make a lot of fucking mistakes yeah. as well. <laughs> but yeah, but, but so it was. It was a bit of apparently he went on and after the the game, he went into the uh, the changing room and said, "Oh, thanks for bailing me out, lads." Oh, really? Yeah. And as, okay. as Jerome Sale on Radio Oxford pointed out, it's like 
Like, come on, man. Like, you have bailed those cunts many out, like, like, so yes. many times. Yeah. Like, you do not need to say thank you to them. But um, Rochdale were poor. Um, but as I alluded to before, I think a lot of that is to, is to do with the, the game that we played, which was very impressive. I really want to see more of that. Really, really, really high tempo. We just didn't give him a second on the football. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, Rochdale offered nothing going forward. Um, the, the biggest problem, I think the biggest risk we have if we play that game a lot is that there were occasions because we were pressing so high, there was a lot of gaps between us and they cut through us quite quickly and got from defense to attack very quickly against better teams. We might be vulnerable with that kind of game, but, but that's, that's a might be maybe who knows, but otherwise, um, a really, really good performance, really pleased with that. We, um, we, we, you know, we did a proper job on them. Um, really good performance and yeah very pleased very very nice uh so what's happened to your your friend billy haircut where is he now oh so he's had a back injury um right okay billy haircut being uh, ricky holmes yes um i remembered his name that time yeah no he's no he's a slight back injury so he's not he's he's not been playing the last few weeks um but you know i mean there's a plethora of sort of like Potentially very talented players, right? Especially in forward positions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. No, we've. I mean, that's it. We've got. We've got the, the players. White, I mean, Marcus we, Brown, yeah. Ricky Holmes, uh, all those guys. We we are we are down to the bare bones a little bit in in terms of injuries. We have got a lot of people out injured at the moment. Um, but um, but with you know, I mean. Well, you know, as, as a friend of mine keeps saying, you know, results like Saturday, we can't blame on injuries if we have performances like Tuesday night. Absolutely, yeah. Be- because yeah. because we can, we clearly can do it with the players that we currently have. Um, so yeah, so look, I mean, every, uh, perfectly good at the moment. We're now, I don't know, a few spaces outside the relegation zone. We are, we are moving our way up, yeah, um, in the right direction, which is really good. And and so I will, I will give some credit to Carl Robinson because I genuinely, and I, you, I, my people can go back listen to previous episode, previous episodes. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely didn't think he had the ability to turn it round. I never, for once, thought he was you know, a relegation style manager. And I've never for once thought he's that bad as a football manager that he's going to get us relegated. But the problem was we'd had such a terrible start. I didn't think he had the personality or the, or the strength of character or whatever to be able to turn that round. I genuinely didn't. Do you think that's happened now? I I don't know. It hasn't been turned around yet whatsoever, but what we, what we have definitely got is we've got a fucking serious foot in the ground and we are, and we're we're digging. Is the negativity in general about Robinson fading away then? No, no, I don't think so. I still can't stand the guy. Um, Like, and and I, 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 his treatment of the players and the way that he speaks in, in, in press conferences and stuff, I think, is generally quite poor. Yeah, um, and that is, he's never gonna he's never gonna make a lot of friends in the fans. I don't think until no, he sorts that out. No, and and so I'm so I'm never gonna be a fan of his. I am not. It's just full stop. His character and my character just totally, yeah. totally jar. And so I am never going to be happy with him as a football manager as as a person. Um, the edge will be the severe edge will be taken off of that if he is able to turn this round um, yeah, and make it successful. Finish, yeah. But that doesn't mean I'm ever going to be happy about him as a person because <laughs> I just don't like him. Um, but but that you know that's either here. Ultimately, he's here to here to win football games. Yep. At the moment, he's doing a he's winning enough. He's doing a better job of that. Um, but one one thing that and we mentioned this in the last po- last podcast is that we need to win. Uh, we we needed to get as many points out of this batch of shit teams that we were playing because yeah. we got a, a bunch of good teams coming up. Um, Post Christmas is going to tell us an enormous amount. It really, I mean, I know that's the case. Yeah, with but all the, football the, the Christmas clubs. period and just after is massive, isn't it? And, and, and that is the case for all football clubs. It really is. But um, but. Because once we, because we played a whole bunch of really shit teams, and then we played a whole bunch of pretty decent teams and some really good teams as yeah. well, um, we will then have a better handle on it. Um, we're going into that on a better, f- firmer footing, despite the result on Saturday against Bradford, on a better firming footing than I expected us to be doing so. So, good. so that is all pretty good. Uh, one final good point to make yeah, as well: uh, Nile Ranger, he's ah, fucking up. That's what I was just about to mention before we move on. Give us close out the Nile Ranger. So, so basically, um, Carl Robinson has just basically announced that that yeah, it's not it's not going to happen um, for footballing reasons. Nothing to do with any of the other stuff for okay. footballing. So reasons. he's no longer he, training with the club. He's either. no longer training with the club. He's been told that yeah, no, it's not worked out. Well, you know, and as, as I pointed out on Twitter, 
Like, um, who would have thought a bad footballer with a terrible goal-scoring record and an even worse disciplinary record who hasn't played any football since January this year, who would have thought he would turn out to not be a very good footballing (laughs) prospect? (laughs) Like, I mean, we fucking, everybody, this is exactly, ignoring It's a silly thing to get involved with to begin with. And we all said this, there's no fucking way that's the answer to our problems. And, I mean, obviously what's made it easier is that we are scoring goals now, um, not just from our our centre forward, but from elsewhere on the the pitch and stuff. And so that has relieved the pressure on the need to bring in a striker. So so Get rid of it. And he's gone. He's out of the picture, nice. which is fucking lovely. Excellent. Right. Well, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back with uh, some chat about what's been going on at the Maliski Stadium. And also we're going to finish the show with some general uh, football chat. There's a few things, Andy, that have been winding me up over the last few days. And, we, and we're, going to, we're going to debate them at the end of the okay. show. Okay. I've actually got one more thing I want to rant on about very briefly about the Checker Trade Trophy, but we'll hold we'll, it back we'll throw that. End. We'll throw yeah. that into our uh, roundup at the end. Right. We'll be back in just one moment. Hello, it's Pep here. If you get the chance, listen to World the Pod. They're great guys. Great guys. Well, talking of... So I was about to say talking of great guys, and I was like, I don't think I've got any for you. <laughs> okay. um, every, every week we are, we are on a... We're on a journey, aren't we? Ups and downs, peaks and troughs. Yes. Uh, at the moment now, Renny is, is more trough than peak, I'd say. Um, and we've gone through a period where every time you turn a corner and you think something something good is happening, uh, we get knocked back down. Yeah, we get knocked back down again. It's um, so we had uh, we had a couple of games over the last over the last couple of weeks, including most recently the away match at Leeds, which was a big one. Yeah, telly box match as well. A big telly box match on a yeah. Tuesday night. Uh, played really well. Oh, well Played done. really well. well. Done. Uh, lost the game. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and this is the problem, right? It's all well and good to take good stuff out of it. Um, but then, so I should go back really because we should talk about the Ipswich game which happened before. So we've basically played like bottom of the league and top of the league. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, and so Ipswich was at home and we really should have won that game. They've obviously got new manager in in Lambert uh, who was starting to try and get something out of it. And they've got more points since he's joined. So they're starting to do something. Uh, and they obviously targeted the Reading game uh, and they got a 2-2 draw out of us. We were really, really incredibly poor in the first <laughs> half of that game. Like brutally bad. Uh, and managed to come back and, and get something out of the game, but rescued the game. Yakumati yeah. once again scoring two goals in that match, a player who's absolutely banging form. Uh, but so frustrating because, once again, the biggest problem that we have is that there's no... You always get the feeling that the, that they, the players don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. They just don't... It doesn't feel like there's a coherent plan that all the players are aware of that they're fought, that they're playing to, you know, they're just randomly going about their business, and it's very very frustrating. It, it, it's really funny because I, I remember having conversations with people about how much impact does a manager actually have, yeah. and I know people who play like you know like Sunday league, um, you know, very very low level kind of amateur Sunday league football, and. And, and and they say just turn up. Don't really listen to what the manager says. Just turn up and yeah. and, and, and do what I know to do. Um, but but I mean you know that that carries a footballer so far. But but you do see changes in tactics and formations and stuff like that. And and there is definitely a difference between a team that is really that really knows its job when 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 players are playing in a very specific way they're doing a very specific role um and everybody is kind of attuned into and you can just yeah if this just, happens that I know to do that yeah. if I see this I do that like players that kind of know what the fuck is happening and and you see you've seen it you know from the other direction when your team plays against a really good a bad like like so many times when we've played Swindon in, in recent years, the, a classic example of that is when we played them in a cup competition when, so I can't remember what it was. It, they, they were a league, but a league above us. Um, and we played them in a cup competition, we beat them 2-0. Yeah. And um, we were saying, you're fucking shit. All the way through <laughs> yeah, the game, yeah. like, all the way through the game. We only beat them 2-0, but it was the most comprehensive 2-0 yes. victory I've ever yeah, yeah, seen in my yeah. time. Because they were 
all over the place. And you can just see when a team doesn't yeah. know what it's meant to do, its head isn't there, it's gone, and that kind of completely disjointed, nothing works out. No, yeah, nothing it's hor- happens. It's, it's horrible to watch at times, especially yeah, yeah. at home. Like, yeah. you, This is where we're supposed to know what the fuck's going on around yeah. here. Anyway, so I think I may have even... That, the Ipswich game may have even been off the last pod, but... Um, <clears throat> Since then, so after that game, we went away to Wigan. We had two tough away games in a row. So we yeah. had Wigan away and Leeds away. So two games where we had to travel up north. Uh, and I thought Clement did a good job, actually. They went to Wigan. They got a 0-0 draw, which I think is actually a, a decent result. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is, yeah. Wigan are above us in the table. They're a team that we could beat, but I think I'll take the 0-0, especially take a clean sheet. And then rather than come back down... Uh, south and then go back up on the Tuesday night for, for Leeds. They stayed up in yeah. Manchester and then just went over to Leeds. I thought, good plan, you know, he's being pragmatic about it and they're make, I think that's making good decisions, which also meant that the squad was able to, I guess, get a bit of nice cohesiveness going on, a little away yep. tour. Yep. So I think that's quite good. And then they came out uh, in the Leeds match, which, like you said, was on the telly and they looked really good they came out in the first half they looked organised uh, Bakuna once again in midfield looking really strong and actually Kelly playing better than I think I'd, I'd seen him play for a while in that midfield position a bit more assured looked like he knew a little bit more what he was doing and in very exciting news on um, the game on Saturday at Wigan off the bench came Danny Loder a uh, young up and coming player who's who banged in a hat-trick for England in the 19s okay. and he's been playing very well for Reading under 23s and he's managed to probably through a little bit of pressure from the fans come up into the into the first team so he came off the bench for his league debut against Wigan and, and then started against Leeds oh wow that's yeah. pretty good it's good yeah. that he's ended up in football as well because nominative determinism <laughs> he could have ended up working down at a warehouse <laughs> that's true <laughs> that is true poor old Danny <laughs> uh, but a great talent for sure and yeah, yeah, a player good. that it's really good to see the manager give a go at the age of 18 get him into the team and like all 18 year olds he looks well up for it puts in a lot of effort and when you have then two players so you have matey and you have loader both chasing players down causing trouble always making runs it it gives the team a certain like level of dynamism that is really good to watch and i think it troubled leads like we gave them a good few chances uh we, we we got a good few chances on the break against them because they press so high so if you can break quickly against leads you can definitely have a chance because they press so high up and in such concentrated groups that if you can break through those groups off you go you're going to yeah. give yourself a chance yeah. so we did pretty well um Conceded a terrible goal, as always. <laughs> uh, you know, I think it, gave, it was a set piece or, or a breakdown from a set piece. Uh, conceded the goal. And it was after a concerted uh, piece of pressure from Leeds, which they're very good at. They build mm. a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. And especially at Ellen Road, you know, the atmosphere changes. and it was. But we were doing really well. And it was really good to see us not falling apart, you mm. know. Because I was expecting to lose that game. Like, if you your manager goes through at the start of the season, they look at the fixture list and they tick off. This is what I want to get. Draw, draw, yep. draw, win, draw, loss, right? Yeah, yeah. That would have been a loss yeah, in, the, yeah, in, the, yeah. in the book, this game. So they went out to frustrate leads, to contain them. They got to a half-time, a nil-nil. And uh, I thought, you know, this is going to be... It's, we've got a chance. And so they go, they go down 1-0 and then uh, we don't give up and we stay in the game. And you're, think, and you're thinking... We could get something. Like, it felt like it had that yeah. feel. Like, we could get something from this game. It's not over. Yeah. The game hadn't died. You know, some games, the, the atmosphere drops, yeah. everything's quiet, and you're like, this is just over now. But you've done enough that you feel like you something could happen. Something yeah. could happen. You keep yourself in the game at 1-0. Yeah. And we fucking did keep ourselves in the yeah. game at 1-0. And then we got gifted an extremely soft penalty <laughs> in, like, the 83rd minute or whatever it was. Uh, Josh Sims coming down the right he come off the bench again Josh Sims this player right everyone was talking about how exciting he was going to be when he came on loan from Southampton he, he's, he's flattered to deceive to be honest he's never really shown anything but he, he's had scarce chances fair play yeah he, uh, but when he has come on he's not really shown you know you'd like to see from a player like that who's got to grab his chance a little flash of something you know just to excite I, you I, I, you're right but it's probably also very difficult to slot in and make yourself look good in a team that's playing pretty badly Very and is misfiring. Yes. Um, some players will be better at that than others. Um, so I'll tell you about another player that was very poor at that. Uh, coming off the bench, uh, Mark McNulty, okay, uh, yeah, Coventry's yeah. Uh, top goal scorer from their promotion uh, rise yeah. the other season. Uh, 
again, had very few chances. Uh, the system that we play doesn't really allow for two strikers to be on the field at any given time. So only one striker is getting a go every week. Uh, and he comes off the bench, gets himself around, and he's actually quite a good deep deep line forward. Although he's a small guy, he's actually yeah. a good passer of the ball, so he's quite a good player to drop deep and pass the ball. So he was he was doing that, and he was doing he was doing all right. Sims gets brought down for the penalty. The penalty comes in. Everyone's thinking, "Oh fuck, who's going to take the penalty? Is it going to be Bakuna? Is it going to be Liam Kelly? Like, what's going on?" I think Liam Kelly was off the pitch at that point. So it so up steps Sparky McNulty. You think, fucking hell, here is the chance, right? You don't get many chances. No. You've come off the bench. I don't think he's actually scored a goal for us yet this season. Uh, so now is your chance. It's you and the goalkeeper, knock it in, and the uh, Leeds goalkeeper who looks about 12 years old. I think he's called, he's called something like Peacock Hammond or something. So he would Brilliant. definitely make it into the double-barreled team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so... And McNulty steps up and just, just, just doesn't score. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. He takes. It's not a bad penalty, you know, but it's a penalty that doesn't go in. And the keeper <laughs> saved the twelve-year-old goal. He saves it. The Leeds fans go mental, and the game is over instantly. And it's so sad because we worked so hard in that game, and we did all the right things, you know, and then. And the frustrating thing is you'll go up against somebody's shit, have an abject game and, and lose like 2-0, having, you know, if you'd put the performance in against them that you did against Absolutely. Leeds. Oh, that's football, isn't yeah. it? It's fucking and It's all for well, nothing. But... It's, it's heartbreaking. Oh, but the good stuff to take out of it is I think the midfield is playing better. We're not going to get uh, Ezatolai back. He's injured now until past Christmas. We're not going to get him back. But Gareth McCleary is back. He's looking fitter. John, uh, uh, Jordan Abita could be back after injury. So... There's there's stuff happening, and there's also since uh, since we last spoke, our chairman has uh, been removed. Yeah. Uh, so Ron Gore, yeah. a, uh, a chairman that a lot of people were very not were not very happy with. Uh, there was lots of rumours from inside the club that he was a difficult character. People didn't like working with him, and especially Brian Teverden, who was our uh, director of football uh, before Gianluca Nani, who's in now. Uh, Teverden didn't get on with him and that was one of the problems that stopped us making the signings that we might have made uh, and so Gourlay was I guess he, he the media said that he left the club but I think he was basically forced out by the owners Yeah, uh, and the general feeling around the club was good uh, that this was a boost and a positive thing for the team uh, to the point that Teverden who's now a uh, sporting director at another club I think in the Netherlands was throwing shade at Gourlay on Twitter really uh, yeah so there was a lot of there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of love for Teverden after that and then everyone's like well weren't you saying he was shit a few weeks ago like <laughs> classic football nonsense yeah yeah uh, but I think all in all it's a good thing Gourlay is gone uh, that gives uh, the owners a chance to look at the Clement situation again, I guess. I think that Clement still has a chance to do something. Like you said about Carl Robinson, he's not my he's not my favourite, you know, guy in the world, but I don't really see anybody else out there who's gonna do anything like dramatically different with what we have at the moment. And I do see small improvements. I I, I really I think it's really easy to get on the back of, of, of managers and players and and find things to that are that are bad. But I do see small signs of improvement every week, almost. Yeah, but there, there, there aren't there aren't that many small signs of improvements in the results, though. And and and, and, I, and I take I take your point, but you've got that. That's got to. I mean, you know, when we're in, we're just about but, into December. You've, that, that's got to turn into. That's got to start actually making a tangible true, but, difference to your results. But we are winning soon. some games that we should be winning. So we beat we, we beat Millwall at home team. We should beat we beat Bristol City at home team. We should beat. So. It's not like we're not doing anything, you no. know. Like the results, some results are coming in, but they're not coming in regularly, but regularly enough. But yeah, and, and that's fine. But but there needs to be there needs to be a, a significant change if you are going to pull away from it. It's not going to be a relegation battle at the end of the season. That's that's the, the sure. Issue. I think my concern is that it's such a big change to change a manager at any point in the season that you don't know what that's going to mean for you. I mean, the, the good thing is that we still have the January transfer window, so if you do bring a new manager in before that time, they're going to have a chance to do something with the team. Or, or what you could do is you could sack your manager midway through January and then not appoint another one for another two and a half months. <laughs> that always works yeah. out well. That always works out well. So, I don't know. I, I think Clement's still got some time in him. I think he'll I think he'll see through the Christmas period and then then we'll see, we'll see how things go after that. The one thing that I do... 
that I do see an improvement in is that there's clearly a relationship between Clement and Gianluca Nani, the sporting director. So those two, when Nani came on board, every match you would see them together talking. Or like Nani was clearly very close to the team. Uh, and, and they they were working together on a strategy, which I think is a good sign and shows that maybe in the January there's going to be something going on that they're working on. They're looking at weaknesses in the team and maybe we'll see some changes. Um, yeah, and if they are working on those strategies, maybe somebody at some point can tell the players what the strategies are. <laughs> well, based on what happened in the Ipswich game, <laughs> they don't have a clue. Uh, but yes, so we we will see. Uh, we've got another tough game. We've got uh, I think we've got Stoke on Saturday, which is going to be a mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a yeah. toughie. So yeah. uh, we'll see. So I will report back after that. So we got a couple of home games. So we've got uh, Stoke and then Sheffield United and then we're away at Rotherham. And then we've got our Christmas game, which is home against Middlesbrough on the 22nd, which should be good. Cheap tickets, by the way, for any Reading fans for that game. And if you're a season ticket holder, really cheap, like £10 for, for someone else to come in or something. Oh, wow, that's good. Worth checking on the website. Uh, yeah, so that's it, for, that's it for the Royals for this week. And uh, I think what we'll do, we'll take one more break and then we'll come back and I'm going to uh, I'm gonna spice it up with some hot chat, Andy. Right, okay. I feel like there's something that's on your mind the, here. Very, very much so. Okay, good. <laughs> we'll be back in just a sec. Kick them up and down the training pitch. So I've been watching a fair bit of football on the telly box okay. recently. And I've been watching all kinds of stuff. Right. Football league, re- what I call real football. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been watching some uh, Premier Premier League football, yep. fancy fancy Dan football, and then I've been watching some Champions League football, oh, which is I, I find it now it's interesting because there's a there's a sort of perverse enjoyment I get from the nonsense levels of Champions League football, and I was getting very annoyed uh, last uh, the last couple of nights watching the uh, European football, mainly because of rules. And this is what right. I wanted to talk about. Okay. So when we were doing the World Cup pods, we talked a little bit about VAR and the impact that we thought that would have on games. Yeah. But I think there is a much more sort of basic problem with the way that a lot of these rules are implemented and you've heard me like shout about these things many times but i want to talk about it because it's winding me up so much that i just can't take it i really anymore i really hope it's something that i disagree with you on. well i hope so but if you do you're wrong before we even start so number one thing that pisses me off right now okay the the uh, the concept of the foul throw oh, has been yes. completely removed from the yes. game yes so now you can just do whatever you fucking want. Yeah. You can roll it between your legs and they'd still <laughs> give it. Like There is no foul throws anymore. So uh, that was highlighted fantastically in the England game where we got a last-minute uh, uh, winner there by, by lobbing in a foul throw. Uh, but no foul throws ever given. And you were at the game. I was at the match uh, the other week. It must, have been, it must have been the Ipswich game, I suppose. And, <laughs> and the, the guy's like... The fella's right there, because we've got seats quite close to the touchline. The guy's got his feet over the line. The linesman is, is 10 yards away looking at him. And we're like, Lino! Lino, look at his fucking feet! Lino! And the Lino's like, yeah, I can see him. Yeah, no foul. Oh, fucking, what is the point? I, I, the rule may as well be gone, Well, so because it's madness. Now, I have a thought about the whole... The, 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 so, you know, in, in my day, right, yeah. if there's a single bit of your foot on the pitch... Yeah. You are effectively, it's a foul throw. I, You're I do, on the field of play. But I do wonder if there has been some kind of change in the in the rule that I, I was hitherto unaware of, which is basically saying that if your foot is touching the line, it's okay. I, 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 I cannot believe that. But does that also mean that the rule's been changed so you don't have to throw the ball from behind well, your head yeah. anymore? You can just like you can just put it on your forehead and I throw do. it forwards. I remember once playing a game when I was a kid um, and... Uh, our manager was the the referee couldn't go, so our manager was refereeing. So he was he was doing a, a reverse job of I'm not biased, I'm not biased. So he's doing everything. In. <laughs> yeah. And there's one kid. There's one time this kid picked up the ball and literally held the ball in front of his face and then <laughs> threw it right. And there was a foul throw, and he said, "No, play on." And then oh the same kid God. a little bit later on then gets the ball behind his head. And and he and he brings his hands forward and he throws the ball into the back of his head <laughs> and it goes vertically up in the air and then drops down by his feet and he panics and kicks it and we're like you can't do that. That is amazing. That like, is amazing. <laughs> well, that is the kind of stuff that would be totally legal now in in uh, top level football. It's really funny actually. There's a, there, we, we had a, we had a lad called uh, Mickey.
Nicky Kokoran, who played uh, for Oxford at fullback back in uh, mid early two thousands. Um, and he was, I think he was only on in on loan anyway. He was an Irish footballer, and he primarily played in midfield. But he, we, we had him playing it right back for a period of time. And so he, obviously, the fullbacks always take the throw. He'd obviously never taken a throw in in his life, and he was doing. So he was throwing, <laughs> taking throws. He was taking throw-ins, and his his kind of like. His, he'd plant his yeah. front foot on the ground and his, his back foot would like literally go Flip right up. up at 90 degrees to his body as he's throwing oh the ball. And, like, and we're all like, we sat in the crowd going, oh my fucking God, how are we getting away with this? <laughs> and it happened like two or three times and then their, their players would go, fuck, come on, ref. <laughs> Look at it. And eventually the ref did have to just say kind of, oh, um, yeah, um, sorry, can you not do that again, please? <laughs> so yeah, Well, it's, was, it, oh. it's an epidemic and yeah, it, and it must right. be stopped. You're number right. two. Okay, number in two. The, in the things that, that are pissing me off in a minute. The handball situation. Yeah. This is out of control. <laughs> Every game where there's a handball given of any type is a huge matter of debate. Yep. Between the media, the managers don't know, the players don't really know. Look, we cannot get into a situation where players are getting given fucking handballs and penalties when the ball is kicked at them from a yard away. And they're trying to get their hands out of the way and it hits them and the ref gives a handball. It's madness. You're going to end up in a position where players are deliberately flicking the ball at other players to get handballs. A deliberate handball is extremely obvious, in my opinion, and a deliberate handball is very rare. So Very rare indeed. So, so, I, so this is one area I actually slightly disagree with you in that in the, I agree with you that it is a problem, right? I, it absolutely is. And I, and I said this before, offside and handball, the two most important... Don't steal my number three. I won't. Um, <laughs> the two most important rules in the game of football yeah. without any question, yeah. and yet somehow they're the two roles... Most with the, mysterious. ...with the least certainty whatsoever about them how can that possibly be the yes. case now um and this is a point that, that Lineker has made in the past is that they have over 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 time removed the word deliberate yeah. from every single rule in football apart from handball yeah. and it's still there in handball so you still have to have, have handled it deliberately the problem is with the application of the rule because and, and do you know what it, this has got better in the last I would say three four five years the conversation after handball incidents now is well you know he's you see more times when they kick it straight at the person's hand and he can't get it out of the way you see more of those not given than, than you did but the media five, doesn't ten. understand well, it and I, the media then debate oh that's a penalty and the, no, the, the I, way they're talking about it you know you're talking about TV pundits yes who, I'm talking who, about TV who are pundits, fucking yeah. idiots who yes. do not understand but they do football. impact things because fans watch the game that's and, true. and they agree with them you know? but but I, I think it is better the, the reaction to that is better now because I think poor, more people understand the deliberate thing now this is where I disagree with you though yeah. is that I actually think the way to solve this problem is just say if it hits your hand it's handball it completely it completely removes the debate but the game would change it would be no, horrible it you'd be in the box the and there'd be players flicking it up they're always no, flicking it, it up to try and get handballs it, it totally happen. would happen no, it wouldn't happen okay no it wouldn't happen because okay. they, they can get you... a penalty by like jumping on the floor they're not going to try and do that because if they do that and they miss the person's hand the, the attack is over Look, it won't happen uh, do you, have you heard of a player called Neymar Jr yeah, he's fucking. He's on the he floor. Will, he'll, be, he'll be on the floor before he can do that. He will be practicing that, that no. on the fucking training no. pitch, flicking the ball up and hitting players' you, hands. It's madness. You 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 can't you can't you can't choose the way the rules are uh, dictated by the misbehaviour of individuals. You can't do that. Just like, make the referee take fucking accountability for knowing what but, is a deliberate handball or not. It's fucking obvious. But it's not always obvious. It and is. That, no, but it isn't obvious, and that's why they've always tried to have different interpretations of what what the constitutes is deliberate and also some right so somebody stood on the fucking line right yeah. last minute of the game somebody boots the ball yeah. their arms there it's not deliberate yeah. the ball bounces off their hand yeah. and it stops a goal what do you do then because for me that has you have to give that that has made it had a, a completely unfair impact on the game that's a hand no, it's got I, to be I disagree it's got to be a because the player ball. had no option he had no choice what do you have no no arms I mean that's the other option is that the players all have no arms 
Because that's what will happen. You'll end up in the future in 100 years' time where no footballers will have fucking arms because it guarantees no no handballs. Well, no, because you can't, like, can't elbow people <laughs> with no arms, can you? So. Right, well, this one, that, that's going to run and run. But uh, Solution, easy. No just, arms. Just, no arms. No arms. No arms. Or everybody kind of ties their arms around. <laughs> well, exactly. Phil Jones. And where's Phil Jones? Gloves. Phil Jones would be great because he sort of <laughs> acts like a weird fish anyway. Number three. Three. Offside. Yes. Oh my God. This one can be very easily solved and was solved 20 years ago when we had a proper offside rule. Offside's offside. Yeah, yeah. Players are offside when they're offside. If you're offside, you're offside. If it hits your hand, it's handball. Easy. Job done. (laughs) Problem solved. How it's still a debate... And the Charlie Austin goal was was kind of what got me going because there was that brilliant Parklife Charlie Austin clip. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I'm glad it happened because the interview was fucking brilliant. More interviews like that from, from players, please. That goal was correctly disallowed because you can't have a player who is not maybe not even in the line of the goalkeeper, but he's in the six-yard box yep. and he's straining his head to maybe head a ball. Mm-hmm. The keeper was in was on his dive, and actually you could see the keeper slightly adjust because he's thinking, oh shit, the guy might head it. And then the ball goes in. Of course it shouldn't be given. Just so, set the rule up when a player's offside, they're offside. So, so in, in the, the rationale for bringing that rule in, the, the interfering with play, or the active, as oh. they, they changed the word, yeah. the, the rationale for that was, was, was sensible because it meant the game would carry on playing if there's a guy who's, retur- who's 40 yards away, yeah. he's returning yeah. from offside back to onside from 40 yards yeah. away, and he's literally nothing to do with any of the game yeah. um, and has no input, then, then, then kind of fair enough. In, a, a, point, rare, a rare circumstance yeah ex- exactly yeah. but the problem is is that the referees are fucking interpreting it yeah. when there's somebody like exactly as you're saying somebody who's, who's centimetres away from kicking the football <laughs> in madness. the penalty area the the, re- the goalkeeper mo- changes his location the defenders are playing w- changing their location because of that absolutely person. like how is that not interfering so I've got an alternative solution go on an alternative solution isn't just a blanket if you're off, somebody's offside. It's offside. The game yeah. stops. The alternative is, um, if you're in the penalty area, you are automatically you're automatically interfering with play effectively. So, yeah. so if you yeah. are, if you're, I'd say level with the penalty yeah, area. Yeah, yeah, could yeah. be. Um, I, but yeah, that is a very very simple way to to just. Slightly change the rule by saying, yeah. So the interfering if, if players are injured, they can roll off the field, right? They yeah, can roll yeah. off the field. And so play. the interfering with play thing is 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 too kind. It's too vague a concept. Whereas if you say interfering with play or and or in the penalty area, yeah. Then then yeah. then that is is so easy to apply because you know there's that 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 line that all of the pundits always say. Oh, you know, if, if you're not interfering with play, what are you doing yeah. on the football pitch? Um, has some value, but there are circumstances, rare circumstances where that could happen. But there's absolutely no fucking way anybody who's in the penalty area in an attack is not somehow absolutely. influencing that play. There's no way. And, and so little things like that, really, really simple to implement, would make a massive difference. Well, I'm glad I got that off my chest. I think we can all agree <laughs> on that one. Um, have you got any more? Because I've got one other no, one that really no, annoys no. me. Go on, add it to uh, the list. So there is no, it's, it's not quite as big a deal as either any of those, but um, there's one thing that really annoys me as well. There is absolutely zero consistency on how it is refereed whereby two people going for a ball that's coming in from high, one yeah. person jumps and uh, the other person yeah, doesn't. Yeah, person yeah, in front yeah. stays still, yeah. person behind goes jumps, over the top. Goes, goes over the top. There is no con- absolutely no consistency no. whatsoever of how that... Sometimes a person's fucking climbing and he gives it, oh, he's backing yeah. into him, he's backing into him. But there's him. some kind of mysterious skill that certain strikers have have always been the ones that win the free kick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you can see the same thing happening both ways and the same guy wins the free kick both times. Chris, Chris McGuire was an absolute fucking master at that. So and actually, to be, to be fair, Jamie Mackey's pretty yeah, fucking he's good, good at it yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that... There is no consistency And some of them are whatsoever. absolutely ridiculous, aren't yeah. they? I like it when the small player is sort of hunched down, almost like he's cowering, and then like a giant, you know, type comes over the top and cartwheels over. <laughs> and the ref's like, yeah, so that's a free kick against the He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Just ridiculous, yeah. 
Right there. Just more, I didn't go want to go on, on my, my, my little rant about the, oh, yeah, the checker trade. Oh, yeah, let's talk about the checker trade briefly. I could, I could genuinely talk for seven hours about how fucking Well, you've terrible. got about a minute. So, the, so we're due to play Ch- Tottenham under-23s um, in the next round, in the first kind of knockout stage of, of the thing, right? Which is happening... Which is already like, ridiculous. Yeah, um, which is happening very soon. Um, but t- Spurs under-23s yeah. can't make that date... Because they've got a bit of a heavy fixture schedule around then. Not that they've got another game that day. They've got oh, a heavy fixture Jesus schedule around Christ. then. They don't want to play it there. So then we're having to play it. So everybody's playing their checker trade gate trophy games on that day. Yeah. We have to play ours on the 18th of December. So two weeks later, our, because... And the, into the Christmas fixture Yeah, exactly. Well. Right, right up before hell. Christmas. Now, the, the Premier League teams get to do that. We don't get to do that. We do not get... How the fucking hell do these absolute shite hawks who have nothing to do with this tournament whatsoever, who've just paid their way in with a couple of bills, get to dictate the tournament like that? It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. A two-tier system with a bunch of part-time fucking, like, you know, non-first-team youngsters. I think the very idea that Oxford United are playing Tottenham under-23s in a proper tournament is ridiculous from start to finish, but... Well, it is, yeah. But we won't get into that. Honestly, I could go dear on for hours. Oh dear, Well, we have ju- we've just tipped over the hour. It's been a long one, but we've managed to cover some extremely important topics, yes. I think, this week. So I think that's probably uh, that's probably about time that we bring things to a close. Yeah. Cheerio, everyone. Yeah, thank you very much, Andy. We'll catch everybody next week. You can find us uh, WorldyPod on Instagram and on Twitter. You can email us at worldypod at gmail.com. You can find us on Podbean and on iTunes and all those other fantastic places. So we'll see you next time on Worldy. (laughs) So, so close. I I forgot how many seconds it was. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there.